Hi, I'm Rochelle Jackson, and this is The Crime Couch. I'm an investigative journalist and true crime author, and I know who's who in the zoo. The crims, the cops, and the interesting individuals in between. So get comfy and join me here on The Crime Couch. It's going to be one heck of a journey. Wendy Cowling is a former Victoria policewoman with 34 years under her belt. The former sergeant began at the Russell Street Police Women's Division, where she had mentors like Joan Paffett, Sandy Langlands, Myrene Purcell and Jill Wood. She was gazetted at Cheltenham General Duties and worked in general duties throughout the South East. Wendy was promoted to sergeant at the police schools program, a member of the Victorian Road Safety Education Reference Group and the state coordinator of the VPYC program. She's also a life member of the Past and Present Women Police Association. Hi, Wendy, and welcome to The Crime Couch. Thanks, Rochelle. It's uh, great to be talking to you today. Lovely having you sit with me, Wendy. Let's go back to the 1980s, which is when you joined. How difficult was it to become a policewoman when you joined in 1980? Actually, by the time I um, got into the police academy, it was 1981 because I applied as soon as I turned 20, way back in 1980, and it all moved very quickly. I was lucky enough to pass the exam, the written exam, and then the physical. And then I'm thinking that I was going to go into the academy around April, May of 1980, and then things stopped very suddenly, and there was nothing. Um, And I wasn't the only woman who it actually affected. Because of the Equal Opportunity Act that had come into being around 1977-1978, all of a sudden there was appeared to be an issue on what the women were able to carry kilogram-wise. And so for over 12 months, we were sort of just left hanging, waiting to see if we could get into the academy. So they stopped all of female recruitment from that time. And then all of a sudden, April uh, 1981, we had the the call to come in and I was basically in the academy within two weeks. So it was it was worth the wait, but it did take a bit of bit of time. What a difficult situation. And did you have a plan B in case you couldn't get in? Well, I was lucky. I had I was working in um, a supermarket in Bendigo, and I had gone to to my boss, my manager at the time, and said, "You know, I want to join the police force." So he was happy for me to stay until the time was you know right that I was able to go in, and then within two weeks, I had to basically go to him and say, "Well, now they're going. I'm off." Why did you become a policewoman in the first place? What motivated you? Growing up, I suppose it's the old cliche that I either was going to be a nurse or a policewoman. And for some reason, I gravitated towards policing. Another friend had joined just in front of me and she was enjoying it. And so I thought, well, that's I will try this as well. I must admit, for the first four weeks of going back to the academy on the Sunday, I bawled like a baby. However, I knew that I was never going to have to, I was never going to give up because I couldn't go back to Bendigo and not have tried and 
I couldn't have failed. That's why I kept at it. And it was, I'm glad that I did, actually. A great persistence and resilience which would have stood you in good stead. You began, Wendy, at the Russell Street Police Women's Division. That sounds extraordinary because nowadays police women don't have those specific sort of divisions. How would you describe those times? Like, why was that essential? I actually, we did have... Because there was quite a number of females in the two squads when we went in. There was 14 in each of the squads. So a lot of the girls did go out to general duties stations as training stations at that time. But uh, one of the, as I said before I went to, well you said we went to the police women's division. I found it great grounding. Uh, There was time for you to actually learn what you were doing. You had, we had really good mentors, as you said, in the sergeants before, Myron Purcell and Jill Ward, who was an acting sergeant at that stage, Sandy Langlands and Christine McIntyre, who were all great mentors to us. And I just found it was a good way to start your career. And I was there for for two years and in that time we also had the transition to community policing squads where I then had sergeants, male sergeants came in and they were they were good mentors at, at that time as well. You mentioned a number of the, of the police women that I've already interviewed like Myreen and a number of the people, Joan hopefully who'll be on the, on the crime catch shortly. You mentioned those people. Why were they outstanding? Like why, why did they motivate and inspire you? I suppose they had come through a time where it had been a bit tougher for the girls and I always felt that they were there to, not to make it easier because sometimes it wasn't easy at all because you were the new kid on the block, but they were there to show you how to to police in a, a different way and women... I might be putting my neck out here, but women do police in a different way to men. And I think that two years was just the best grounding for me for then when I was able to go out and work operationally and general duties at Cheltenham. Now, Wendy, you brought up an interesting subject there. Why and how were police women perceived in the job in those days? Well, in those days, we were still wearing skirts and stockings. It was just early 80s that the trousers were coming into vogue. So I always felt that we had a little bit of an edge back in those days because when you came across a criminal, they would always balk just slightly and it was never... They were always polite, even I've um, because you you were a female. Yeah, they were, and we did. We haven't got the brawn, but we would use the brain, is what I'd like to say. And we were able just to talk to people normally. I've spoken to bikies and all types of criminals, and I've always felt not never really been disrespected as a policewoman. Maybe it's because when we were getting out of the car, they would see the stockings before they saw the, um, the trousers. It's very interesting the way you say that because women, I think, would often use their nows and their brains and their smarts, street smarts, 
um, which I think would always be a, a fabulous sidekick for any male person or male member. Yeah, well, I've first two years, it was just the girls in the car going out. So we had to be a bit smarter at it. And then when we started to have not only constables and male constables and male sergeants working with us, I think they got to see um, a different way of working as well. What did it mean to you when you were gazetted at Cheltenham General Duties? I was very lucky to get that position because it was very early in my career and back in those days it was all on your registered number on how you got the vacancy. So if you were the most senior person who put in, you got the job. And for some reason, most of the guys must have missed that gazette because I was able to get that uh, position and it opened up a different way of policing again because you've gone from dealing with women and children in the police women's division and we could do the other crimes as well but being general duties on the van was totally different. How did it develop your police skills and and I suppose dealing with people's skills? Well, that's where you are dealing with, you know, your victims of crime, you're dealing with offenders, you're, well, I was at Cheltenham, so we had Southland, and so there were a lot of shoplifters at Southland. You would still go to 12 and 16s, which is um, the uh, crashes, I won't call them accidents, crashes. Um, We did burglaries, we did a whole lot of different things back in those days, which was good, it was a good grounding overall. You were on night shift, Wendy, in the watch house on one specific night in June 1985 when two members, Sergeant Brian Stook and Senior Constable Peter Steele, were shot by Pavel Marinoff, i.e. Mad Max. Can you recall and describe that night? I can. Um, It's just like yesterday. Uh, What was happening, our area in Cheltenham is we had the Moorabbin factory area and it's a very large factory area. And we were, we'd had problems with a nighttime burglar. And so there were operations going for many weeks leading up, up to um, that particular night. On that particular night, Sergeant Stug and Peter Steele were on that burglar patrol and they'd been down in the factory area and they'd seen the car and then they'd end up following him to send a Danning Nong Road. And... It came up on the radio, you could hear what was going on and how they, um, I think it was Peter Steele, I think was the one who came up and was police in trouble. I can't even remember whether it was members shot. But it was terrible for me because I was in the watch house and I couldn't leave. So it was just waiting to hear what else was happening. My husband, who was also in the job, he was on the Sandringham van that night. So he and uh, Sergeant Trevor Wilson also raced to the scene and he often says because of the high-pitched sounding of Peter over the radio, he actually thought it was a female and thinking Cheltenham, it may have been me. But he still has his own thoughts about what he saw that night as well. 
I didn't get to see Peter or uh, Stooky as we called him because obviously they were taken off to hospital and then it just evolved that whole night. It moved to Oakley where other members were shot. Then it moved to Noble Park and it was just, I suppose, one of the most frustrating nights for me because I was in the watch house and couldn't get out but also it was quite terrifying as well and I know for the next because that was early in the week we had to um, then work the rest of the week on the night shift and uh, it was on this Friday before we went to work Alan and I both drove out to the Austin and we were able to see Stooky which was good because then that allayed our fears that he was probably going to be okay he was going to be a paraplegic but Brian was going to be okay. Wendy, I can hear the emotion and everything. You know, it it happened so long ago, 1985, but as you said, it's like yesterday. Mm. How did that event change your perception of policing and even of crims? Well, I suppose it always then changed our thinking about how you would be intercepting cars. And there's been a lot of incidents where police members have either been uh, killed on duty as a result of their intercepts with, you know, criminals. So always very wary, I suppose. We're always very wary after that to working down in that factory area as well. And it... It took a while for Mad Max to be caught and so we never really knew where he was as well. So it was probably a lot better when we knew that he had been shot a few months later. I can't remember how long it was but I know that I got the call. I was on a day off and um, I got a call from the station to say that uh, everyone was coming in because um, Mad Max had been... um, found and actually he'd been shot and killed. Wendy, you spent most of your police life in general duties. What makes a good sergeant? Um, someone who I believe I was always looking out for my for my troops, so to speak. I like to think that I was there to assist them in with my knowledge about things and just having an open door, not only as a sergeant, but also as um, I had uh, some upgrading as a senior sergeant so that your staff can actually come and speak to you. Being open, honest and transparent is very important. You also worked in community policing roles. What did that give you? How important are those roles for gathering intel? Even though I was general duties for a number of years, I also had that, I would say, the proactive arm. I've always felt that it's, you know, of course we have to react to, to crime, but I also, working in the youth areas, you have to understand why people do what they do, especially with young people. So working in crime prevention and neighbourhood watch, I always saw those as part of working with the reactive arm. They are very important parts of policing, um, just as much as the reactive side. Now, Wendy, you've also been a lifetime member of the past and present Women Police Association. You've actually held a number of roles 
as well in the association. You've been a president and you've been a secretary at one stage. What do you get from this network? Well, it's a bit of a passion of mine and part of the the reason that I said that I'd talk to you today, Rochelle, was just to talk about the the past and present Women's Police Association, which actually started in 1993, way back. So this year is our 30th year and so we're planning a celebration in October later this year. But back in 1992, there was the 75th anniversary of women in Victoria Police. And as a result of all the wonderful celebrations that they arranged over a week... Everyone said it was such a great time, let's actually formalise it so that we can have current members and our past members coming together. And so Sandy Langlands actually was the the inaugural president and she actually asked me to come to a committee meeting and after the committee meeting or an AGM, I think, I found myself on the committee, which was way back in um, the 90s. But it's an opportunity for past and present women to come together and it's basically continuing the friendships. When I joined, I was um, senior Connie and I had about 10 years in the job. And so I looked up to women like Joan Paffett, who had been my senior sergeant, and all the other women that we'd spoken about before, because they had come through a different time. They'd come through when women had to leave the job because they were getting married. When I joined, I was still able we were lucky enough, we were able to to be married. And they had a whole lot of different stories to be able to impart and people like Lil Irwin, who you have spoken to. Now, Lil's now in her 90s and she's our oldest retired policewoman at this stage, but you need to talk to these women before they pass as well because they have great stories. And I think it's important that we do keep those friendships going. And uh, that's why I have stayed around for so long and continue to support the association. How important is it, Wendy, to have an association specifically for females? We do allow the males to join as well as associate members. But I think it is very important and We come together twice a year with our lunches and it's just a good time to reminisce with people that you've worked with, to build new friendships with people that you may not have, but you get to um, see them you know, at least twice a year. And I like to, to think I come together with some of the girls that I went through the academy with as well. Wendy, who's eligible to join? Well, we've, um, it's actually very broad. It's any past or present member of a police associate, a police jurisdiction in Australia. So we have AFP members as well. So they would be a general member and our associate members are any members who have an affiliation with policing. So you're our, uns- our unsworn members, anyone in our police custody officers, protective security officers are all eligible to join. How much does it cost and what do you get? 
Well, our membership fee is $20 per year. We don't have a joining fee. For that, it's quarterly newsletters. At the time of membership, we um, send out our little membership brooch. We've started uh, also providing the Agents of Change book that was uh, printed for the 100 years of women in Victoria Police. So they get a copy of that. And then we have the two functions per year, one in February, which is our reunion lunch, and one in October. Looking back at your career now in the job, 34 years, how do you view it now, Wendy? You've been retired for some time now. How do you view your career now? Well, it went very fast in the end, I thought. It was enjoyable. I often say unremarkable. However, the people that I have met along the way, not only within the job, but also some of the people in uh, the committees that I've been involved with still have contact with those people today. It was enjoyable. Sometimes it was tough, but... You know when it's time to leave and... Um, Did you know when it was time? Yeah, I think so. It was at that stage that I sort of knew that there wasn't really... I'd run my race, so to speak. Not that I would have... I'd gone part-time in the last couple of years. And I did have something else that was in the wind, so it was time to go. And what advice, Wendy, would you give to anyone listening that's a member that maybe is considering retiring? Well, you know, often there's a number of people have said to me, police members never plan their retirement. What advice would you give to people that are considering pulling the pin? Well, you need a plan. (laughs) You definitely need a plan of some sort, even if it's only a very loose plan. I was lucky I was going on to work for a netball association so that was you know just a little part-time job and netball being one of my um, favorite things to to do play and coach and umpire so that took up five years or so but I've still got my interests with uh, the past and present police women's association I was involved in local neighbourhood watch in our area that we live. I'm also involved with Police Veterans Victoria as a peer support volunteer. So still keep very busy, but yes, you have to have some kind of plan. If your plan is to sit around and do nothing, well, probably that's a good plan. But for you, if you think that's going to work, but I think you need to keep busy. You need to keep physically busy and also psychologically busy. I think that's great advice. Finally, Wendy, what's next for you? Oh, as uh, Sandy Langlands used to say, when she actually retired, she was going to do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. I think that's basically what my plan is for the next wee while. My children will hate me saying this, but at some stage, I'd like to be a grandmother. So (laughs) that, with no pressure, I would, all my friends who have their grandchildren, that can take up a little bit of their time. But apart from that, just enjoying this part of life because your working time is just one part 
of your life and then there's the the retirement part or the next part which is just as enjoyable and as much fun as you'd like to make it. Well, Wendy, it's been a delight. Thank you very much for making time and for sitting with me today on The Crime Couch. Thanks very much. Thanks for joining me. I'm Rochelle Jackson and I look forward to your company next time on The Crime Couch. 